Thank you, Jesus. You know what? As I was just worshipping then, I'm just reminded, church, that the church started in one of the times of greatest restrictions, right? After Jesus had died and rose and He'd gone back to heaven, this group of men that had been with Him began to spread the Gospel and they were restricted, right? They couldn't go to the temples to worship. They couldn't even pray in their homes. People were finding them and dragging them out and taking them to jail. And yet the Gospel spread, the church grew, people were saved. The thing is that God works through every situation. He is not taken aback by the restrictions that are happening now. He has been working throughout history. He will continue to work throughout history. And as His people right now, we are needed more than ever to show people that there is a way to find peace, that we don't have to live in fear and anxiety, but that we can know that there is something greater, there is someone greater that we can put our trust in. So church, would you just pray with me now? We just need to worship our Creator and we can do that through prayer. So why don't you just raise your voices if you're here in the auditorium, if you are at home right now, raise your voice to pray to heaven. We're just gonna pray together. Jesus, we thank you that you are God of all things. You are over all, you are in all, you are through all, Lord Jesus. We worship you as King of kings and Lord of lords. And God, we know that you are moving. God, our momentum in you is not based on external circumstances, but our momentum is based on you and you are a God who is always moving and always working, God. And the church is always advancing and we are always growing in a greater knowledge of your love and your mercy and your grace and your compassion and your power. So Jesus, we worship you today. We give You glory, God. We know, Holy Spirit, that You're going to speak a word of truth into our hearts that gives us assurance that You are in the middle of all of this, God, and You are outworking Your incredible plan for this world, for the salvation of all people. Jesus, we thank You. Amen. Amen, amen. Hello. Hey, it is so good to see you here today. It is good to see as many faces in here. We are being COVID safe, but I am so glad for those that are here and those that are in the foyer that you made it, you joined with us. Uh, If you're joining us online, welcome to. I'm really glad that you are with us today. Now, we're going to have to do a new thing too with like feedback because I can only see your eyes now. So some fist pumps in the air. Uh, Smiling with those eyes, you're going to have to agree out loud because uh, we want to celebrate Jesus together and I love your encouragement while we're preaching the Word, hey? Well, here we are. Thank you, Graham. That was a great fist pump. I saw it. Here we are, week two of our Colossians series. You know, I have to admit that the letters of Paul are my favourite scriptures. Um, If you can have favourites, they are. Um, And so Colossians is going to be a really great letter to spend some time in. Can I encourage you to make this your journey? So now, prior to being a pastor, I was actually a speech pathologist. And uh, I used to help little kids way back at the beginning uh, 
fix their speech sounds. So they'd come to me and I would have a half an hour session with them every week. And then they go home and they come back the next week. And um, I can't tell you how many times I would have to say to parents who would ask me, why isn't my child fixed? And I have to say, well, that's because one half an hour session a week with me is not actually going to reshape a speech pattern, right? You're breaking a habit and you're creating an entirely new one. You need to work this out with your child every day. It's like half an hour of practice every day, the six days in between. And I thought of that as I was preparing this sermon because it's just like that. We can't just come on a Sunday, right, and hear a half an hour sermon and then expect that our life will be transformed. So why don't you make this your journey? We're spending nine weeks in Colossians. So every day, read Colossians. Spend time in thinking about the revelation that we bring each week so that it can actually transform your life. Amen? Everybody going to do that? Fist pump in the air? Yep. Great. I'm seeing you online as well. So Pastor Nate kicked us off last week and uh, he gave us some context to this letter. So we know that Paul is speaking to his church at Colossae that he loved. It was a great church. And he said, you know, you are known for your faith and your hope and your love and your good fruit. You know, you've got changed lives because you believed in this truth of the gospel. And Paul prays and encourages them. And what he's actually doing is he's setting up for this next passage. And he's speaking into what's actually being said by some teachers who are challenging now this gospel that Paul has preached. And these challenges are causing questions. Questions are not a bad thing. Questions happen all throughout life. The question is, what are we going to do with it? When we get them, what do we do with the questions that we're asking? And Paul's going to give us some great scripture today to answer some of the questions that we're going to come across in life as well. So let's get an idea of what some of these were, because that will help us when we're unpacking this scripture today. So scholars believe that what Paul is actually countering here are some ideas that were arising that cast doubt on the person and work of the incarnate Jesus which simply means the physical Jesus, right? That God came to earth as a man and this person was Jesus. Now, the reason this is because people in this time were actually super comfortable with the idea of God or gods or deities. They, they really wanted to connect. They believed that the spiritual world was real and they wanted to connect with them. So the claims of Christianity were actually of great interest to them because Christians claimed that they were able to meet with God. So this was great news, except the thing that they had trouble with was the humanity of Jesus. So at that time, you might hear, you know, Gnostics and mystics and all kinds of different spiritualities were happening in that time. But what they ultimately believed was that only the spiritual world was good. So this physical world that we lived in had evil, right? So it couldn't be good. And that God's only interacted with the things that were good, which meant that they stayed in this spiritual realm out there. So if we wanted to somehow get to God, we had to make ourselves good enough to be able to interact with the gods. So that is the fundamental belief that was going around at the time. And so what you can see is that completely clashed, right, with the Christian belief, because Christians were opposite. They were saying, no, 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 God actually created this world that we live in and he loves it. He's not separate from it. 
And not only that, but he actually came to earth in bodily form. So Jesus was fully God and fully man. And not only that, but he died for mankind because he loves them so much and made a way for man now to meet with God. And it's not by what we do, but it's just by believing entirely in him. Right? And so they just couldn't wrap their heads around this truth. What they were doing is starting to tell the Colossian Christians, hey, you can't actually trust in Jesus alone. He can't be the only way to get to God. You really need some other things. So let us tell you some different things that you can do. Okay, so that's the context that Paul is actually writing in here. So let's see what he has to say about this to his church. If you've got your Bibles there, why don't you turn to Ephesians 1. And today we're going to be reading from verse 15 to 23. Oh, sorry. I said Ephesians because that's my favourite, favourite. Apologies, but Colossians. We're going to do Colossians. Pastor Nate was having a freak out there that I'd actually... I actually have written it in my notes too, so apologies that, AV, I hope you got the right scripture. Uh, we are actually reading from Colossians 1, 15 to 23. I promise my message is based on that scripture. All right, here we go, Colossians 15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation, for through him... God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Verse 21. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he has brought you into his presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. That's amazing right there. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Wow. I would like to thank Pastor Nate for giving me this scripture to preach today. Isn't it awesome? What a privilege, hey? This scripture is one of the strongest statements of the divine nature of Jesus and his work in salvation for all. Like, I feel like I could just close the Bible right there and go, hey, that's sermon preached, but it's not because we got so much that we want to unpack and really make this a part of our lives. 
And Paul is just going straight to the issue here. I like Paul. He tells it like it is. I really, I love doing that. So I love how Paul just goes straight to the claim that Jesus was a man and therefore salvation could not be through him. And Paul says, no, absolutely not. The reason the gospel is the good news is because Jesus is God and he made a way for us. I just wonder sometimes, what do we do when we read a scripture like this? Unfortunately, sometimes scriptures like this are the ones we gloss over because we kind of go, yep, yeah, I know, God's good, and then move on to something else. But the claims in this scripture actually form the entire basis of our belief. So they are why we can boldly say that Jesus is our reason and that through him we are now a home for hope. Right, And so we really have to dig into them because if we don't keep them really alive and fresh in our heart, we actually very quickly lose sight of their significance. And if we don't understand them, that's okay too. These are these ones that we need to really dig into. You've got to wrestle them out for yourself. Otherwise, they're just words on a page. And what we'll find is they become negotiable when we're pressured rather than a truth that we are prepared to live and die for. Without them, without a real solid foundation in scriptures like this, we grow lukewarm towards the truth of Jesus, or we can be swayed away from it. Why do we believe what we believe? This scripture explains to us why. And so from the outset, this book of Colossians is so relevant to us because our current culture is absolutely not immune from competing voices that right now cast doubt on Jesus, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and all that we need to be with God. So... I've heard it, you've heard it, you've probably seen it on Instagram. People will say that a God of love will accept anyone who is searching, that Jesus is just one teacher that you can follow, but ultimately there are lots of ways and we're all gonna go in the same destination. We're all going up just a different side of the mountain, but we'll get to the same place at the end. Or maybe you've heard the Bible, it's a really helpful book, but it's outdated for today. It needs reinterpreting. Even just the issue of truth is so divisive right now. And it really saddens my heart when I see Christianity as painted as hateful because we claim to hold to an absolute truth. And when people say things like true love and fellowship only comes when we accept that you have your truth and I have my truth, that's what true peace and fellowship is all about. That hurts my heart because as a Christian, It is not hateful to hold on to an absolute truth. It's actually life-giving. It's freedom. And so these are the voices that compete to try and cast doubt on the name of Jesus. And if we're not careful, we will mix it into what we believe. And Jesus just becomes a part of our life rather than the center of it. So I wanted just to spend a bit of time in that before we launched in today, because if we keep these questions in our mind... That's how we study scripture. We understand the questions that the authors were speaking into. We can then apply it into the things that we find in our life today. So the first question that I believe Paul is asking, or answering, sorry, is, is Jesus who he said he was? And Paul's answer in taking notes today, write down our first point, is Jesus is Lord. Full stop, 
End of story. So verse 15, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. This was so incredibly bold for Paul's day to say this, right? So the contemporaries of Paul were searching for God, but they didn't know what he is, who he was, how many of them they were, what they looked like. In fact, if you read a story in Acts 17, Paul is in Athens and he's talking to the very wise and learned men there. And all around him are all these shrines to this God and that God. They kind of, they spread it wide so that they would hopefully capture whoever the God or gods were, right? And Paul finds this one shrine and it says to the unknowing God. And Paul says, I know that God. He's the one I've been talking about. Let me tell you about him because he is the only God, right? And this is what Paul is saying here. There is one God and he is not invisible and he is not unknown because Jesus is God in a physical presence, And we can know God's character. We can know that he is a God of love, compassion, grace, justice, righteousness. We can know all these things by looking at Jesus. We can even know why he created us and who we are because Jesus is now that perfect image of Jesus, of God, sorry, that we were created in. So we can look at Jesus and go, wow, that's who we are. God is redeeming us to be that, and we will be redeemed as that in the end of time. I don't know if you're here right now and you're not sure who God is. I mean, maybe you think he exists, but how can you really know? Are we just all pawns in some big cosmic game, or is there actually some truth out there? And I want to tell you that the place you can start that journey is in the Gospels. Read Jesus, see Jesus, because when you know Jesus, then you know who God is. God is not unknown, He's not invisible, and He's certainly not untouchable. And this is the good news for us. That's just in the first line of what Paul said, right? So then Paul continues to prove that Jesus is Lord because, don't miss this, he's the creator, not the created. Okay, so the second bit of that verse 15, he existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation for through him God created everything In the heavenly realms and on earth, he made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. What Paul is saying here is that Jesus was with God in the beginning and all things were created through him. And he spells it out. There isn't anything you can think of. It's everything in heaven and on earth. It is everything you can see and it is everything that you can't see, right? It's every power, every ruler, every authority. And he's saying to his Colossians, look, I know there are people out there claiming that they know something better, that they can get closer to God or they have some special wisdom that gives them access to understanding everything in life. But the truth is it's not true, Because how can anything be greater than the creator? Because that's who Jesus is. And there is no wisdom greater than him because he is wisdom. Everything actually comes out of him. So what Paul's saying here is that Jesus is supreme. That's kind of a hard word to say sometimes in this culture, supremacy. 
particularly in our Aussie culture, right? We look down on people who big note themselves. And we also arc up at submission. You should just do your own thing, live your own life. And everyone should just mind your own business, do your own thing and just smile at your neighbour. But that is not what Paul's saying. He's saying, no, Jesus is supreme. He is not only a good man or a good teacher or a good option to follow. He is the only one because there is nothing else outside of him. He created everything. He is over everything. There is no revelation of God outside of him. There's actually no other side to the mountain, right? There's no other way. And Paul calls this good news, right? This is the good news because the fact, and we need to grasp this, the fact that there is an absolute truth is not a negative thing. It's actually amazing because we don't have to search forever and we don't have to live with this worry that maybe we didn't find the right thing or, or maybe there's something else that I'm missing. But we actually have this assurance in us that comes when we hear the gospel that, wow, This is true. This is what Jesus did. God is so love. He's so much love, right? He is love that he actually made it super simple. It's Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And as you come into relationship with him, you will know God. This was an incredible truth that Paul is reminding his Colossians. Remember this. Remember that Jesus is Lord. Remember that he is supreme over all. Don't go looking for anything else. In verse 17, he existed before anything else and he holds all of creation together. Jesus not only creates life, but he sustains it. I think this is so important to remember right now. He is intimately involved in his creation. He is not surprised by any of this. He is not thwarted by anything that happens in life around us. And conversely, we do not live independent from him, right? We are not meant to actually do whatever we want. Mottos like live your own life are actually things that come in from culture. They are not kingdom culture because Jesus actually encouraged community and sacrifice and forgiveness. He said to seek first his kingdom and then all these other things will be added unto you. When we get caught up in pursuing life outside of Jesus and our own agenda, we are actually disconnecting from the source of life. Right? Don't miss this because the upside of submission to Jesus, it's not a negative trapping, but it's actually a freedom because we are assured that God is in control. Even COVID hasn't thrown his plan off course. He created this world. He is redeeming it and his purposes will come to pass. That is why we are people who live in hope. Our world needs to know hope because all they see right now is lockdowns and restrictions and we can't do this and we can't do that and this is going to go on forever. There is hope because Jesus is outworking his plan and he is giving us something greater than the things that we see and the world needs to know this. They need Jesus. So I think Paul pretty convincingly answered in just that first part of that scripture that Jesus is who he said he was. He is Lord, right? The image of God, creator of all, supreme over all things. So we can look at the second question being challenged. Did Jesus do 
what he said he did. The answer of that is our second point today. Jesus saved all. Right? Verse 18. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. Wow, in this scripture, Paul is declaring once and for all that the victory accomplished by Jesus on the death through on the cross was the beginning of new creation life, right? He didn't just die, but he rose again and he has and is redeeming all things. He is supreme over death. Nobody else ever did that before Jesus. But now, because he did, we all get to do that. We are all set free from our sin and we will all rise again and live with God. And not only that, but he is actually redeeming us right now. We are being transformed. That's what Pastor Nate spoke about last week. The Colossians' lives had been changed by the gospel. It was not just some theory they ascribed to, right? But it was actually a change in them. They were becoming more Christ-like and people around that had seen that. That's why they were even interested in Christianity in the first place. I think people are the same today, right? I think they are looking for meaning. They want to transcend the things in this life that just feels like they trap us in. And Paul is saying that hope, the only hope you have is in Jesus. It's what he has done as our saviour, which is why we are now that home for hope. We are the evidence of the way Jesus made to God. Our lives demonstrate that he is real, that he is working, that he has saved all. That's why it's good news. So why? Why on earth would the Colossians be tempted to sway away from this, right? If they have experienced this truth, if they had that assurance in the beginning, why are they even thinking of doing something else? We have to ask that question when you read scripture. When you read, question things, ask, because we're not that different. Sometimes we get tempted to sway away from the truth that we have in Jesus. And the reason they were being challenged is because the voices around them were saying, there's no way that Jesus could do that. Because the way that you're describing is just weird. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't fit what we know about the world. And our wisdom is the greatest wisdom. That's what these teachers were challenging the Colossians. And so Paul answers this quite definitively. And we're going to go through that now. Verse 19. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. They could not wrap their heads around the incarnation. You know, we mentioned before that gods only stay in the spiritual realm because they only stay with what is good. And Paul says, no, Jesus is God and he actually came from, earth, from heaven to earth in a body. That was crazy, but that actually is the truth. Your greatest wisdom has got it wrong there because this is what Jesus did. And we know that it's true because people saw it. This gospel that Paul was sharing with the Colossians that I share with you today is not a theory or a story that was made up by somebody, but it's actually the eyewitness account of the apostles, right, who had been with Jesus. 
they had seen this. They had seen Jesus. They had seen the evidence that he was God because God worked through him to do miraculous things. They watched him, his body, die on a cross. They knew he was dead. They knew he was buried in a tomb. And then they watched him rise to life again. There is no other way to explain that whole series of events except that Jesus was God and he did what he said he did, right? Verse 20, and through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. That's that whole next level. The Gnostics couldn't wrap their head around the incarnation, let alone the crucifixion. Because why would a God who had all power humble himself to death for humanity? And not just that, but why would he do it on a cross? So much pain, so much humiliation and shame. Why? Because of love. Love begins in Christianity. Love is the essence of God. Love is why God did all these things, because what he was actually doing was restoring the original intention of creation, right? There is no other secret wisdom to find out who we are and why we exist except in the person and the work of Jesus. This is the incredible truth. And God not only just offered us a pardon in that event, but he actually invited us into relationship with him, right? Christianity is being a family. It's being part of the family of God. That's how close we are to God. There is no other way to get closer. You are actually welcomed in as his son and his daughter, and you are a part of the family. So did Jesus do what he said he did? Absolutely, Paul says. He saved all. Paul has just unpacked right here the good news of the gospel. And I just wanted to pause here because as I was preparing, if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you don't feel that assurance, like if you still think that there's something that you need to do to earn his favor or to be in his presence, then let this scripture bring truth. I just feel that God is speaking it so directly to you today, right? There is no other way. Grace is enough. God's grace is enough. And when you believe and you accept Jesus, that's how you access that grace. And when you walk with Jesus in life, when you have relationship with him, that's how you stay in that grace. That's all you need to do. So let that assurance of God Just rest in your heart, wrestle it out, talk with Jesus, and I know that the Holy Spirit will bring an assurance to your spirit. Amen? And I also just want to give you an an opportunity to actually start that relationship with Jesus, right? We've just heard the gospel message, and maybe you don't know Jesus. And if you don't, I want to invite you to do that right now. Because following Jesus is actually what brings sense and meaning to your life. It brings you into a relationship with God and it gives you the peace and the assurance and the love that you are looking for. And how do I know? Because I can tell you that I have lived a life without Jesus. I have lived a life with religion. And then I have lived a life in relationship with Jesus. And they are completely different. 
the assurance that I have. How do I know that I know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? Because I have relationship with him now, and he speaks that truth into me, and I talk to him. I can give you so many stories of how he has guided me in life, how he has brought me into a place of peace when I'm feeling worry and anxiety, how he has changed me from who I was before I knew him to who I am today, standing up here in front of you. I know that I know that I know because he's real to me, because he's a real God who talks and communicates to us. So if you're just in the auditorium today, I'm just going to get you to close your eyes. And if you're at home, close your eyes as well. And if you want to start a relationship with Jesus, then I'm just going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I believe that you are Lord, that you died for my sins. I choose Jesus to trust in you and to follow you. God, would you forgive me for my sins? And I thank you for the assurance that I have that in you I am saved. I trust that I have new life in you. Jesus, would you help me to continue to walk with you? Amen. If you prayed that prayer, what that is, is actually the beginning of relationship with Jesus. And if you're online with us today, there's a little button that you can press that says ask for prayer. That will actually connect to one of our pastors because beginning relationship with Jesus is also becoming a part of the family, right? And we don't walk this journey alone. And so we've got people that want to help you to journey that. And if that's you in the auditorium today, then would you come and speak to me after? Because I also want to help you start on that journey. Come on, God has made a way for everyone to be reconciled to him. And we should be looking for every opportunity to share that good news with people. Paul gave his life for this. And in these final verses here, he does this shift from this profound declaration of the supremacy of Jesus to its direct implications for the Colossians. So let's read in verse 21. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Remember, says Paul, right? This is not a theory because you are the evidence of its truth. Before Jesus, and this is the same for all of us, we had no hope. And because sin so corrupts the way that we think and our behaviours, and it's the opposite of what God would want for us, it actually separates us from God. And we are actually, it's like we're enemies to God. That's what he means in this scripture here. Yet Jesus died so that we could be free from that, so that our mind could be renewed, so that our behaviours are renewed to actually reflect who God is. And you are now a new creation. And I just, I just want to remind us, or just remind us of that last thing there. He brought you into his presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Every day... You are invited into the presence of God. Someone, we need to remind ourselves of that every morning that we wake up because that is actually an incredible privilege that sometimes we take for granted. 
If you're invited to go and stand before the king or queen or prince, you know, if Princess Mary invited you to come to her castle, like you would be super excited about that, right? And you would prepare for it and you'd find a really nice outfit to wear and you would spend a lot of time making sure that, you know, you're ready for this opportunity because it's an incredible privilege and honour. Yet that is what we are invited into with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords every single day. And sometimes we just roll out of bed and go, yeah, I don't really feel like it today. Yeah, I might just pull out my Facebook because that's a little bit more exciting. Like we've got to be real with ourselves. Do we remember the privilege that we have been invited into, right? That we can go into the presence of the King and He doesn't actually care what you're wearing, right? You don't have to do your makeup and you don't have to prepare yourself to go into His presence except with a heart that just wants to meet with Him. That's all He requires is people who want to be with Him. When you wake up tomorrow morning, can you remember that? Can you remember that you're waking up to a God who goes, Hi, Pastor Earl, I'm so glad you're awake. Why don't you come into my presence, right? That's the Jesus that wakes up, well, you wake up to every day. And do you know what? You stand before God without a single fault. If you feel condemned today or like you're not worthy to stand before God, then that's his truth to you. You actually stand before him now when you believe and trust in the grace that Jesus gave without a single fault. And there were no exception clauses in the Bible. Look through the Greek, look through the Hebrew. There is absolutely no except like insert name here, right? You all stand before him without a single fault. And finally, we're going to read verse 23, and that's going to lead into our third point today. So verse 23, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world. And I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. If you read this scripture and just focus on the but section and go, but, yep, always knew it, there was a condition, this is what pushes me out of this, then you need to read it in its full context and understand how Paul was actually saying this, right? Paul says, yes, there is a response. Truth always brings a response. But that response is not a condition based on human effort. And this was the opposite to what these false teachers were saying, right? They were saying, hey, you've got to do this and that and this and that and this before you can even think of reaching God. But Paul does not put unattainable actions and standards as a condition to meeting with Jesus. His response is simply, stand firm. That's point three, stand firm. Stand firm in Jesus. Like right now, my Colossian church, who I love so much, don't drift away and think that you need something else. And don't be tempted to compromise Jesus. Don't be tempted to make him more relevant, to diminish any aspect of his divinity or humanity, any aspect of his truth. 
right? That's what happens when we don't have the truth of Jesus absolutely centered in our heart. We start to make these socially, you know, acceptable alterations to the divinity of Jesus. We're just trying to make him a little bit more woke, right? We don't need to do that because people need the real Jesus, The real Jesus is powerful to save. The real Jesus is full of love. The real Jesus is all-inclusive. The real Jesus is the only way to find life. We don't need to alter the truth of Jesus because the truth of Jesus is amazing, right? It is the only truth. And Paul is saying, stand firm because in Jesus is life. Remember the assurance that you had when you first heard this truth. And so stand firm, filter everything you hear and read through Jesus. Don't filter Jesus through culture. Filter culture through Jesus. Filter what you hear through His truth. Don't go the other way around. You've got to spend time with Jesus. We need to be in His presence every day so that His revelation is fresh to us. It's got to be real in our life. We need to stay stuck in it. And if you're going to do anything, let's read the Bible more than anything else that we read. More than social media, more than the newspaper, more than any other book that we can get stuck into, right? Bible is the truth. There's so much life in His Word. We need to be people that read His Word. The truth is that Jesus is Lord and Jesus saved all and God will give us everything that we need to stand firm in the truth, but we actually have to live plugged into that truth, not an adapted version of our choosing. I love this scripture. It's so important to us because there is absolutely a push towards relativism in every sphere of life that we are in right now. It is not popular to stand on the Bible right now. And it's not popular to stand on Jesus as our only Lord and Saviour, as the one way to God. All around us, you will find there is pressure to compromise this truth, to water it down a little bit, to make it a little bit more socially acceptable. And what I love about this is the context of this scripture where Paul is writing to his church in Colossians. His church had not capitulated. They had not actually given up on Jesus, right? But they were being pressured. And so Paul is writing this letter to them, not as a rebuke, but as a call to hold the line, church. Stand firm in Jesus. You know, as we're preparing this, um, my husband reminded me, it's like that moment in Braveheart, right? Where Braveheart is standing there with his men, he's got his spear out, and the English are approaching. They're charging on their horses toward them. They look ferocious. They look like they're going to run over them. And Mel Gibson is just standing there going, hold, hold, hold. Right? It's like that's what Paul is calling his church to. Don't capitulate. Don't run the other way. Don't run too early. Don't try and change it so that we can go, oh, hang on, let's just make this okay. No, just stand firm in the truth of Jesus, right? That is God's call to us because He loves His world 
so much that he wants them to know that he gave his only son that whosoever would believe in him would have eternal life. And how will they know if we don't stand firm to the truth? So if life is difficult for you right now and you feel pressed on every side, stand firm because he's got it. If you're like me and you've got kids growing up in this world, little kids, and you're wondering what's going to be left for them, what truth will actually be there? God's saying to us parents, stand firm. He's got this. He's working. Right? If you're the only Christian in your family or your group of friends and you feel tempted to compromise, don't. Stand firm. I feel like there's a powerful declaration we can make today. It's like we're answering the letter back to Paul. Okay, so we've got this word from him and we can say, yes, thanks, Paul. We've got your encouragement. And yes, we will stand firm in the truth because we know it has the power to save. So I know it looks really different today, church, but I'm gonna ask you to do something. Whether you're at home, sitting on your lounge or wherever you are, and whether you're in here or you're in our foyer, I'm gonna ask you to make a prophetic declaration today because the Holy Spirit always moves in power, right? And I believe that God is doing a work in our church. And what He's doing right now through this scripture is He's reminding us of the foundations that we're building on. Our foundations have to be solid. And I believe that He's speaking to us individually about this, but also collectively, because we're a family and we're gonna stand firm together, right? We've got lots of people around us to stand firm with. You're not alone in this. So if this is your truth, that Jesus is Lord and Saviour of all, if this is your declaration that it's the absolute truth, I'm going to ask you to stand. Would you stand up physically now, wherever you are? And what I want to do is actually pray the prayer that Paul prayed over his church at Colossae because I believe that's what God is speaking over us. So why don't you just close your eyes and make that declaration to God that by physically standing today, you are standing firm on the truth that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus saved all, and that this is what the world needs to hear. Church, I pray for you and I give thanks to God for you because I've heard of your faith in Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which came from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. And you have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news, which is going out over all the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed yours. I have heard about the love that you have for others in the Holy Spirit. And I ask God, I ask God to give you a complete knowledge of His will and spiritual wisdom and understanding. Continue to live lives that honour and please God and produce every kind of good fruit and grow as you learn to know God better. I pray, Jesus, that we would be strengthened with all your glorious power. And so we will have all the endurance and the patience we need and be filled with your joy, always thanking you, God. For you have enabled us to share in the inheritance that belongs to your people. We are your people, Jesus. We live in your light. For you have rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into your kingdom, Jesus, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Lord God, we give you the glory and we choose to stand firm on this truth because we know that it is this truth that brings life. Jesus, you are God.
You are Lord over all, supreme over all things, and everything was created through You. Jesus, we know that You bring life in the way that You have saved us when You died on the cross, Lord. We know that You love all of humanity and You desire all of them to be brought into relationship with You, God. And as Your people, we will stand on that truth and we will be a place of hope where they can find life in You. God, I thank You for this church. I know You are doing a work in us, God, and You are preparing us for what it is that You are doing in our city, across our country, and in our world. Heavenly Father, You are bringing Your creation into a knowledge and relationship with You, and it is a privilege, Jesus, to be a part of it. I pray blessing upon them, God. I pray that they would be strengthened in their resolve to stand in You. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, church.